One of the things that happens when a pastor is away and, and has an experience is that there's this tendency to forget that probably everybody else has just had two weeks of going to work and school and doing family and it hasn't been all that exciting, etc. Most of you know that uh, 12 days ago, I had the privilege of flying to Fort Severn up on Hudson Bay. And I have to admit, I have been teaching almost all my Facebook friends who live in Southern Ontario that I wasn't talking about Port Severn. I was talking about Fort Severn. And they were wondering why I thought it was such a big deal that I was going to Port Severn when they said, oh, we've gone boating there many times. I learned right, right off the bat. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, I'll fill you in a little bit on the backstory. In the summer, I had received out of the blue uh, contact from a man that showed up as Reuben Calvin. And as soon as I saw that name Calvin, I knew he had something had to be good about him. Um, and... Uh, I don't know who did the oh wow. Uh, asked if I would be willing to come to Fort Severn and do their wedding. And I had no clue who this was. Now I know at least this. You can go on the Government of Ontario website and discover all those who are licensed to marry so that you don't have somebody take you in if you've gone to all that work and then discover that you're actually not married in the eyes of the government of Ontario. They had opened that site and looked at Thunder Bay and that's when they prayed over who they should contact and contacted me. Uh, so all of that to say, all the details got worked out and went to the airport. And I can tell you that in the past two weeks, I have not shown my ID to anyone. Where are you flying, sir? Fort Severn. What's your name? Steve Mills. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> um, nothing's checked. I mean, in the sense of uh, if you're flying out of Toronto or something, it seems like they check every nook and cranny and crevice, etc. cetera. Uh, change planes in Sioux Lookout. At one point, it was down to six people in the waiting area. And I'm nervous because I can't, I mean, I, they're announcing things, but I'm not hearing it great. I walk over to the board and it says that my flight to Fort Severn departed 15 minutes ago. I walk over to the agent and I admit, 
I wrote Annette and said, I got to get over the heart attack and my stomach and everything else because I said, it appears my flight left 15 minutes ago. He looked at it and went, oh, that board's always wrong. <laughs> and that's your plane coming in right now. So I arrived in Fort Severn and I had been, uh, Reuben, the groom, whose last name's actually Stoney, uh, Reuben the groom had told me, I'll have someone there to meet you. And I went, and finally somebody came up and said, are you Reuben's friend? And I said, yes. And that's when I learned that Fort Severn was completely locked down because of COVID. So school had been canceled and I was supposed to get in the uh, van which would normally be like a 14-seater or 15-seater, but half of it was for luggage. Uh, you get in the van, except all the seats were taken in the van. So Richard Skunkaroo and I climbed in the back and sat up on the luggage and went into Fort Severn. Um, got they do nasal swabs there so nicely because they go in about two centimeters. Like just, and uh, then I was taken to the church that is simply known as the Green Church. It's not known as the Pentecostal Church, which apparently it was at one time. I had been told the story that the reason that I needed to go there was because the young pastor that was there had not yet been ordained and therefore could not perform weddings. Well, something went in translation because there hasn't been a pastor there for 10 years. Uh, but nice little church with a nice uh, five rows and both sides. So speaker this high, speaker on top of that, speakers along here and the same huge speakers and I said who uses them oh we haven't had somebody able to play them in, in years so don't worry about that so what will happen for music on Sunday um, well do you know how to sing <laughs> so we sang Amazing Grace and um, that was nice in the middle of lockdown when you're from outside, and this is just true in general, you're, you're viewed as sort of a safe ear. So people would just, men would show up at the door. They wouldn't come in because, and, and just want to talk. And uh, that was helpful. Um, I found out that time is relatively fluid. So what time is the rehearsal for the wedding well two o'clock Sunday afternoon we think but I'll let you know six o'clock Sunday night is the rehearsal in the gym in a beautiful beautiful school uh, that was built 10 years ago they told me and then we were supposed to meet at 2 o'clock on Thanksgiving, 
to run through it once more, one more time, and wedding at three. So I arrive at 10 to two. The first people start coming at 10 after three. And the bride is in that point still in sweats. Um, and everyone was welcome. The meal was potluck. And so there were all kinds of dishes there. I had Canada goose. Um, things that disturbed me. Um, if you smile and have all your teeth, then honestly, then you, you need to be very grateful because dental in Fort Severn, it costs so much to get out of there. Uh, the dear bride is a very nice looking young woman, but if you see any pictures of her, there's, she is not smiling with mouth open in any pictures because the front four teeth are missing. I met, huh, I'm trying to think, I might have met one person as an adult that had all their front teeth. And that's just tragic, folks. Um, I went in the northern store, a sleeve of 12 cans of pop is $35. And that's just reflective of what's there. As soon as I got home and I said, what do you want to eat? I said, salad. Because fresh fruits and vegetables um, either are exorbitant or just not available. Um, water is expensive, and I was delivered drinking water because can't drink it coming out of the taps. Just all kinds of things that we would normally take for granted. Um, here's the other thing that I appreciated. Um, family life is just really central. Families, I mean, it's the typical stuff. Um, some families squabble, but you can just tell that at this wedding was this outpouring of family love. Um, and Adira is the name of the bride. Uh, she posted this week a thank you um, on the general site of Fort Severin and said, I'm so thankful to Jesus that now I'm married and next month will mark one year that I have been clean of drugs and alcohol. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So 
when you think about my going up there, you need to think about the part that you had in that. Because at grassroots, we maintain that one of our purposes is to spread the selfless love of Jesus around the world, correct? And so by having me go there, um, that community was grateful. Before I left, one of the counselors stopped in and said, just want to thank you for coming because you have no idea what this has done for our community. And I would never have thought about this, that there have been people that have come to town, have said that they had a license to marry, had gone through the act of performing the wedding, weren't licensed to marry, and um, it's created all kinds of difficulties down the road. So very much, uh, I want you to feel a part of what happened up there uh, because I'm a part of this community and had opportunity to go there. Now, here's what I don't want you to think. As a pastor through the years, the scariest people on the face of the globe are young people that go to, I don't know, Bolivia for the summer. And they come back and they know absolutely everything about Bolivian culture, every in and out and all the needs and what the church at home is doing wrong and everything else. So all I can tell you is what I observed in Fort Severn. Uh, do I understand the challenges? Not new. No. I mean, that's just a wee little bit. Uh, but thank you that I was able to share with them the love of Jesus. Uh, I wasn't thinking about doing this uh, question. If not, I'll go on. Oh, um, everyone was very friendly, um, including the dogs, of which there seems to be 2.5 dogs for every person. Um, and you could get lost, honestly, you could get lost because every street looks the same and every house basically looks the same so when you're walking finally I discovered that the school had the highest point and if I scanned the horizon I could find the school and then figure out but um, everyone uh, once we were out of lockdown 
um, were very friendly. Uh, on the way home, we were supposed to stop somewhere and we didn't. So when you take off and they say our next stop is 40 minutes and then you land an hour and 10 minutes later and then you discover that, oh, you're, they didn't need to make that stop. Matthew, I don't know if that's normal or not, but uh, the airline I was on, Matthew Slabaugh flew for. If someone asked you this because the rest of our time this morning is going to be given over to a communion theme. If someone asked you, so, of all the attributes of God, what would you say is his primary attribute? You would have a clue if you knew that about a week and a half ago, the Jewish community celebrated Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. And it's the highest holy day in Judaism today. And if you look at the text of the scripture, I would maintain that even though you shouldn't take any one attribute of God and raise it above another, if you were going to do so, the one that you would have to put there is the holiness of God. The absolute and complete moral perfection in everything that is God so that he is always holy in his love. He is always holy in his mercy. He is always holy in his grace. We are called on. Be holy as I am holy. The outline of the Day of Atonement is the central figure in the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus, God's holiness is outlined some 87 times. That of all the things that God wants us to know about him, as much as he loves us, and as gracious as he always is with us, above all of that is his holiness. And that's what brings this remembrance into clear view because if Jesus hadn't died in our place, then we have nothing with which to bring the heavenly father to approach him in his holiness. Because when he says, be holy as I am holy, can you be absolutely perfect? 
No, you can't be. That's why we don't come here to take this and remember our perfection. We come here to take this and remember that we have a perfect Savior. So when we come, we don't come to say, look how much better we are than pagans. Look how much better we are than the average. Not at all. We come to say in our brokenness, in our incompleteness, Jesus stood in my place. He suffered in my place. He died for me. And so when God the Father looks at me, he always sees me in Jesus. He always sees me in the perfection of Jesus. And seeing us in the perfection of Jesus, no wonder we ought to come and say, thank you that your body was given on my behalf. Thank you that your blood was shed for me. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit continue as complete and absolute holiness. And the only way I can come to the throne of grace to find grace in my time of need that I'm commanded to do is when I come in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. So what took place on the Day of Atonement? Uh, I'm not going to take time to read the passage because I recognize where our overall time is today. What you need to recognize is that every day, morning and evening, sacrifices were made. That took place all the time. But once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take off all his high priestly garments, which were actually quite colorful, and dress completely in white. And then he would take the blood of a sacrifice, make his way into the holy place. So the holy place and the holy of holies was 15 feet across, 15 feet high, and the combination of the two was 45 feet long. What was considered the holy place was two-thirds of that. The holy of holies was a cube, 15 by 15 by 15. And inside that was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the priests would go into the holy place all the time. But there was a great veil that cut off the holy of holies from the holy place. And once a year, then the high priest 
would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. And the first thing that happened was incense was burned to create smoke. Why that? Because it was another sense that God had said to them. One, you don't get to come at just any time. And no man has seen God and lived. So the smoke was created. Then he offered blood, first of all, for himself and for his family. Went back out, came back in and offered blood for the people. When that's finished, he has gone out and there were two goats one goat was sacrificed and that was the blood that was taken in the other goat he placed his hands on and confessed the sins of the people now we have taken the name for that goat over into English and it's used in ways that it isn't in the scripture because we'll say oh for all that went on he's just a scapegoat you know, that, that's just, a, that thing's, the whole thing's been scapegoated. Well, we thank the Lord for the scapegoat because what it was to show Israel was this. Moses places, uh, Aaron places his hands on the goat, confesses the sins of the people, and the goat is led off into the wilderness and left a goat that was led off in the wilderness and left would soon be destroyed. And what was that a picture of? That their sins were taken away, never to return. And you say, why is that important? Well, if you're in Jesus today, I've got some really good news for you. Because... Some people have this awful notion to teach something like this. You had better search your heart and life very deeply because if there's a sin that you haven't committed or you haven't confessed, you are going to get to heaven and everybody is going to know about those sins that you haven't confessed. And that, my friends, is nonsense. Because the sufficiency of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, its sufficiency, thank the Lord, is not dependent on my memory. And it's not dependent on your memory. Because without doubt, all of us have committed sins that we don't remember. And I'm glad for this that the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus has been sufficient for all my sin. And when I get to heaven, it isn't a matter of, okay, well, these sins were covered by my sacrifice at Calvary, but you've got all of these that you neglected to confess. I'm not suggesting that we should take at any point our sins any less than seriously. 
but I struggle, honestly, I struggle with adults who are vigorously trying to figure out their things that they've done in their background. A friend of mine in his 50s remembered that he had complained about his Sunday school teacher when he was 12. And so he called up his 86-year-old Sunday school teacher to tell her something that she was not aware of, that he had been unhappy with her when he was 12 and wanted to let her know that he should not have said the nasty things behind her back. And what he managed to do was devastate an 86-year-old woman. So my point is this. When the scripture tells us that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we come to this and say, hey, Jesus, I'm incomplete in and of myself, but I'm complete in you. I've still got this brokenness, but I come to you as the unbroken one who took all my brokenness and made it right. So when the Father looks at you today, if you're in Jesus, he sees you positionally as being perfect. Aren't you glad for that? Technically, the people that I spoke with last week are called Swampy Cree. The Swampy Cree. And I was reminded again that there's going to come a day when there are people from every race and tongue and people and nation who are going to be saying about the Lord Jesus, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches and honor and power and glory and as soon as one group is saying that there's an antiphonal another group and on and on it goes because we worship a perfect savior before we remember him In the church I grew up in, there was a man that had raised his seven sons in Newfoundland. And uh, then he moved to Southern Ontario with those boys. He was a hard worker, 
not very educated. And he was known in the church simply as Daddy Hooper. Everybody, Daddy Hooper. And in services like this, Daddy Hooper would stand up. And with his accent from Newfoundland, would say, when's the last time you told Jesus that you love him? Because I love it when somebody tells me that they love me. And I know that Jesus loves it when we tell him that we love him. And then he'd sit down. So Daddy Hooper's long since in glory. So I'll ask you, when's the last time you told Jesus that you love him? Because everybody likes to hear that they're loved. So before we remember him, let's take some time. And I invite you to tell Jesus how much you love him and how grateful you are for him and his sacrifice on our behalf.